Hello, everybody. Welcome to All Things Billy. I'm your host, as always, Michael Anthony Judicici. I say as always, meaning up till now, but who knows? There could be a guest host someday or someday some <laughs> Spotify or Apple podcast would come in and say, hey, we want to buy your, <laughs> your podcast and your catalog of episodes, but we don't want you. Here's a giant check. Go away. Uh, but for now, I am your host. Thanks for joining me. And uh, sometimes, as you probably know, I like to just turn on the microphone and talk. But I, I need to have something to talk about, hopefully. And uh, today, we're doing an episode entitled, Who's Your Billy? Uh, because it strikes me that there are three separate identities. Well, there's many, but three categories you can fit who you think Billy the Kid was into. And so I'm going to give you my opinion on who I think Billy was, but none of us really know. We just have an opinion. So the first Billy, you can choose. Oh, and by the way, when you uh, decide who's your Billy, <laughs> I like that. Uh, you can uh, email the show at BillyTheKidRidesAgain at gmail.com. You can Twitter the show at at BTK Rides, um, or you can find me on social media. One of the best things you can do, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, conversation and discussion over on the uh, YouTube page. So just search for Michael Anthony Judicici. I'll put the link in the show notes here. And uh, I post, it's usually three or four days, maybe a week after the audio version comes out. I post it on YouTube and uh, the there's about three or four times the number of people, sometimes five times, that listen to the podcast on YouTube than listen to it on Spotify or Anchor or Apple Podcasts or whatever. I don't know why. Probably uh, YouTube is a bigger platform with, you know, hundreds of millions of people, I guess. Uh, but uh, keep doing that. And there, you'll see a lot of commentary there. Um, also subscribe, really working to get to 1,000 subscribers. 509 is the current count. Wait, let's refresh. You never know. 509 is the current count. And uh, 1,000 is really the key. The reason that 1,000 subscribers, for, for those that don't know, YouTube is they put ads in your content right away, right? So you could put up a video of whatever you wanted, you walking on the beach or something, and they start to put advertisements in it. So when people watch it, um, and sometimes at the beginning or at the end, but when people watch it, they get some ad revenue from whoever the advertiser is. Out of a thousand subscribers with a couple other of uh, conditions, which I've already met, the creator, the person that's creating the content gets to share in the ad revenue. And there are people, although it won't be me, I'm quite sure, there are people that make their entire living being a professional YouTuber. But uh, to be able to generate some uh, income from these uh, podcasts and other videos means I can put that back into more content creation, more videos. We've got talking to, uh, well, I guess I can't give it away, talking to my buddy Brandon about something <laughs> about a project, a video-based project, you know, but all these things require the money. So yeah, if you just go and subscribe, uh, you'll help out. All right. So there are three Billies as I see it. And the first one 
is the, uh, you know, murdering, horse-thieving punk Billy, right? He's the one that uh, people completely discount as having any redeeming qualities. He was just a murderer. Um, he killed people. He stole horses. He, you know, was just just a common everyday criminal. Nothing special about him other than he became famous, but certainly no real redeeming qualities. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the uh, freedom fighter, Billy, who stood up against oppression of the Santa Fe ring and fought for justice and then fought for the, you know, uh, on the side of uh, the underprivileged, you know, uh, Mexican population of uh, Lincoln County and of New Mexico. So basically, Billy the Devil, Billy the Angel. And then the third Billy is the one that's some combination somewhere in between. And there's an infinite number of those combinations that Billy, you know, could be. Um, and you have to decide that for yourself, you know, how, how much good was good, how much was bad, how much was there to be admired, how much was there to be despised. So let's, uh, let's dive a little further into the, uh, the three Billies. First of all, among the uh, Billy the Kid faithful, uh, there's a, there is a predominant feeling that Billy was this freed avenging angel freedom fighter out to avenge Tunstall's death and to stand up against the Santa Fe ring and to, uh, you know, right the wrongs that were, uh, you know, uh, being perpetrated against the citizens of Lincoln County. So he's, he's perfect essentially. I mean, yeah, he's got some flaws, but, but overall he's perfect. I personally do not believe in that William H. Bonney. Um, if you look at the much larger forces of the Santa Fe ring and the, in the politicians involved, Thomas Catron, um, notable among them, I mean, the stuff that they were doing and pushing in, in probably like happens in modern politics flew at a level so much higher than Billy, the kid existed at like to say that he was consciously fighting against these injustices, you know, to, to, to bring down the Santa Fe ring, to me, this is just my opinion, so get mad if you want. To me, yeah, that's that's sense silly. I, I mean, Billy existed in a very transactional day-to-day -day world. You know, we got this land on the uh on the Penasco and uh Fred Waite and I are gonna gonna hold it and open a ranch. Oh, the next day Tunstall got killed. Well now we're gonna go to war. Oh, the war's over, well now we're gonna go steal some cattle. Uh, you know, so we can survive and I'll gamble in Fort Sumner. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that there was ever any long range plan in the life of William H. Bonney, unless William H. Bonney lived beyond July 14, 1881, then there probably was a long range plan. But up until that point, I really don't think there was. And it, if Drew Gomber, uh, you all heard his episode, uh, is is to be uh, believed, and he is, uh, there's a good chance that Billy was actually younger than we think, than that 21 years old in 1881. And so think about the maturity level of, it. that maturity has 
very little to do. Well, uh, let me take that back. Maturity has some to do with your chronological age and some to do with what you've experienced. And so people, you, you hear the term, oh, this person had to grow up quick because they didn't have any chance. They didn't have a, an opportunity not to. But still, the brain develops, especially in, in boys, a lot more slowly than it does in girls. And the decision and control and consequence centers of the brain develop least, uh, much more slowly than they do in girls, which is why you see young boys make bad, uh, you know, perilous decisions because they, they cannot yet, their brain can't wrap themselves around consequence. It's a live for today mentality. It's a live, this, this feels right. This is good right now. Let's do this. And who knows what will happen because my brain cannot project that far out. That's just a biological fact of the way the difference between boys and girls. There's other differences in case you haven't noticed, but you take a look, you'll find out. Um, so, you know, if we're talking about a 15-year-old kid in 1878, 16 years old maybe, that's riding along and uh, killing Morton, Baker, and McCloskey, uh, that's uh, gunning down Sheriff Brady, that's escaping from the uh, McSween house in the five-day battle, you're, you're talking about somebody that's acting in the moment. And doing whatever they had to do to survive, to further their cause, those kind of things. But to think that there was some plan for a 15, 16-year-old kid, 17 even, to take down the Santa Fe ring and to stand up against oppression and justice, guys, I really don't think so. I just don't see it. And so when you put uh, William Bonney on that pedestal, I think it's an unfair... Uh, uh, expectation of him because then you can start to very easily pick that apart when you look at some of his other actions. So I think you unfairly put him in a position where it's easy for people to break him down and go, Oh, well, really, this is the guy that was, that's your hero. So I don't think that's Billy the kid. I don't think he's the avenging freedom fighting angel. I believe Billy, when he said, to a reporter for the Las Vegas Optic, I wasn't the leader of any gang. I was always for Billy. Now he was the leader of a gang, but I think he was always for Billy. I think he was always for, hey, you know what? I'm here. This is my life. I got a couple girlfriends. I got a few bucks in my pocket. I know how to gamble. I know how to steal horses. If anybody messes with me, I know how to take care of them. I'm just going to keep living day to day. If he'd lived to be, if, if he did, who knows, but if he lived to be 30, 40, 50 years old, we have no idea what, you know, what kind of person he would have turned out to be. And if you say, oh, well, you know, all of the Hispanic population of New Mexico loved him. He liked to tell jokes and sing and dance. Well, then you would imagine he's Jerry Lewis, like tap dancing through life. But that certainly wasn't Billy the Kid. And I can tell you that my son, Samuel, who just turned 18, as a young kid, was the life of the party. We'd go somewhere. I remember being in either in the mall or maybe we went to Las Vegas when he was young, probably four years old. And we're walking down the hallway and he's saying, hey, how you doing? He'd be like greeting everybody. And then he went to a period when he got older where he was very uh, introverted and just not interested in talking to people. And now he's kind of coming out of that and he's going to be somebody else. 
So to think that, you know, at 15 or 16 years old, you're done and you're, you know, you're, you're, whatever you do is what you're going to do forever is just not so. So I don't believe in Billy, the freedom fighting avenging angel. Look at the other extreme, Billy, the kid, the punk, thief, murderer. Well, I think all those apply in some regard to him, although I don't think they tell the entire story. And when we come back, we'll get into those right after this. All right. Now, for those who, and there are, there's a, a minority, but a vocal minority, that see Billy the Kid as just a murdering punk, two-bit criminal. For those people, it looks a little something like this. Yeah, you have this kid, and he was, you know, he had some hard luck. His mother died, his stepfather left. Uh, but he had a family to stay with, and he didn't have to fall in with Sombrero Jack and steal clothes from a Chinese laundry or steal butter from a rancher named Webb. He didn't have to do that. that. That's what he chose to do. And then he didn't have to escape jail a couple times and steal horses with John Mackey and make his way out to Camp Grant, get into a fight with Wendy Cahill and murder him, whether it was in self-defense or not. He didn't have to do that and then join the Jesse Evans gang and then so on and so on. In other words, this kid made choices and those choices led him to be who he was into an early grave, most likely. And if I look at the thing, if, if I'm one of those vocal minority, I look at that, the thing, and I say he murdered Wendy Cahill and the uh, coroner's jury says unjustifiable homicide. Then he's involved in the killings of uh, Morton, Baker, probably McCloskey. And, you know, call it what you want, but very quickly when Governor Axtell made his way to Lincoln after, uh, uh, after the killing of uh, Tunstall, he basically invalidated any legality around what the regulators were doing. So that was murder. Then Brady was murdered, ambushed, ambushed, you know, not, not, Hey Brady, come on, let's fight this thing out. Let's, let's rise up from behind a wall and assassinate this guy. So you add that to the charge, Joe Grant, eh, you know, self-defense. I think you could make that, that, case uh with joe grant um uh, uh carlisle uh, over at the uh, great house station you know did billy shoot yeah rudabaugh says he did uh bernstein the indian agent well probably not but and then of course you get to uh, uh bell and Ollinger, and that's premeditated first degree murder premeditated. I planned it. I had a plan. Maybe even had help to get a gun. I don't know. I planned it. I murdered both of them. So, and along the way, I stole a bunch of horses and cattle and I gambled, which was not illegal, uh, but I stole what I needed. And, uh, and I didn't really give 
a flip what people thought. Sometimes Billy would, uh, Billy and his his uh, cohorts would uh, steal stuff and then promise that rancher or whoever, hey, we'll never steal from you again. Like, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks, you stole, you know, eight of my prize horses, but you're never going to steal from me again, so we're cool. So it's easy to see how some people could look and go, this is the guy you worship? Like, this is the guy you're interested in? There were two-bit horse and cattle thieves, murderers, rustlers, all over the West. Stevie the Kid, Emilio the Kid, Francois the Kid, right? I mean, there, whatever, there's plenty of people like this that you could idolize because they all did and lived the same way, and they weren't heroes. So if you look at that Billy, or if you look at Billy like that, then I can't, I, I personally can't fault you. I understand it. It was a different time, clearly, almost 142 years ago, back to that night in Fort Sumner. And what you did, what was acceptable, what you did to stay alive, was much different than the way things would operate today. But for a moment, let's take the 1879 version of Billy the Kid and let's thrust him forward into 2022. Would he be a hero to anybody? I mean, maybe if you're deranged, but probably not to most people. You know, property crime, stealing cars, breaking into houses, stealing people's stuff, occasionally murdering people, getting caught, murdering people, you know, escaping from jail. Uh, no, that doesn't make a hero. Doesn't make a hero today, a week from today, 10 years or a century from today. Nobody's ever going to see that person as a hero. Again, I agree. It's a different time. But if you just strip the actions away from the time period, you can make a pretty good case that he was not a great guy. I mean, somebody today who's going around stealing cars, breaking into homes, doing home invasions, they have friends. They have people that like them. There are people that, that really admire them. Maybe not a lot, or maybe there is a lot, but but don't get the idea that just because you don't like somebody or because you uh, look at somebody's activities as being nefarious, that they have no friends, that they have no support system. They do. Of course they do. Just like you and I do. And so you would think even at that same time back then, you know, doing those kind of things, you know, killing, uh, you know, taking part in killings and mur premeditated murder and stealing to support yourself. Yeah, there were certainly still people that liked Billy. And, and because he, he seems like a lighthearted guy, smiling, you know, does like to sing and dance from what we've been told. He probably has a pretty good circle of friends and admirers that are willing to look past the things that he does that they can't condone. I don't know, personally, now I'm telling you my opinion, I don't know how you condone the killing, the murder of Sheriff Brady. Now, I know some of you say, well, Brady sent the posse out that killed Tunstall. Well... Okay, that Brady 
was not with that group of the posse when they went out. We don't know that Brady gave orders for Tunstall to be murdered. Um, we don't know what happened, you know, off the trail, 100 yards, 200 yards off the trail, whatever it was, uh, when uh, Tunstall was confronted by his killers. So you could say Brady was not a good lawman. And he probably wasn't all that great. He certainly was in the pocket of the house. <clears throat> but to say that, you know, his actions merited an assassination on the main street of Lincoln, that, that's, that's a pretty far reach. Especially from a group that considers itself lawfully appointed regulators and constables of, uh, uh, of the justice of the peace. That's not the way the law operates. The law doesn't slaughter Morton and Baker in Blackwater Draw. The law doesn't murder Brady in cold blood. And so Billy took part in these things. So it's, it's fair to say, hey, you know what? This is not a good guy. This is not somebody to be admired or somebody to be uh, put up on a pedestal. This is a murderer. This is a thief. This is a guy who is as bad as any of the other guys there, and none of them should be canonized as saints. But I don't think that tells the whole story of Billy the Kid. I think Billy portrayed himself <clears throat> to Governor Wallace in uh, one of his letters, said, you know, I've, I've gone out to... Uh, to uh, recover stolen stock when there's no law around to do it or law couldn't do it. Uh, I, I, I know Billy did some good things in his life. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't know if it was one of the co's, but the, the quote was, kid had good feelings, meaning so, so pretty good kid, you know, was, was, was not morose and, uh, you know, a goth and, you know, enveloped in blackness. He was, you know, pretty, pretty happy kid but got caught up in situations that were, I believe, really much, much bigger than he was. But anybody uh, and anyone who believes in, uh, you know, what Pat Garrett did uh, would be justified in feeling like it's just a murdering punk. I think Steve Cedarwall used the term uh, saddle trash. I think that was the term or saddle tramp, one or the other. Now, I think Steve uh, rethought that position the more he learned. I know he did because I interviewed him. Uh, but uh, but again, it would be okay for you to feel like that, and, and your Billy would be a murdering coward. But that's not who I think Billy the Kid is either. So my definition, who I think Billy was, falls somewhere in between with equal, not equal, but with elements of both of those, and then a lot more reality stuck somewhere in the middle. That's what she said. So we'll talk about that right after this. So which Billy did you choose? The one between behind door number one, the avenging angel, 
social warrior. Door number two, the murdering, thieving punk. Or would you like to look behind door number three and let's make a legend? Because door number three is Billy, who is part outlaw, part murderer, part rustler, part avenger, part great friend, and a very complicated, yet very simplistic young man who either went to the great beyond in 1881 or pretended he did. And that's the Billy that I believe in. The things I can't condone the things I can't look past and go, oh, well, you know, I, I, it, I guess it's okay. The murder of Brady, I just just can't do it. I mean, it, it was such a tactical mistake on the entire part of the regulators to do that, to kill down, to kill, to murder uh, a lawman who overall, while his part in shaping of the troubles with between Tunstall and Dolan, uh, you know, were, uh, were obvious, but, you know, Brady was not public enemy number one. And to make a spectacle and show of murdering him on, uh, Lincoln's main street, only street, uh, was, was a really, really poor decision. Uh, it would come back to haunt Billy because he would be indicted, uh, for the crime. He'd be the only one indicted for the crime, amazingly. And he would be sentenced to hang for it. And that would lead to his other un, uh, unforgivable crime, which is the murder of J.W. Bell, Bob Ollinger. Now, if you're brushy, you didn't even kill them because he told Governor Mabry, hey, I didn't kill those guys. They just rode right out of, rode right out of Lincoln. But if you're the historical Billy, you murdered those guys. Now, you know, I, I get it. It was kill them or be killed. Um, sometimes you take your medicine. Isn't that what they told Tom Follier while he was laying there? And he was groaning and saying he'd meet Garrett in hell, that long-legged son of a bitch. And uh, get who it was. Tommy uh, East. Emory, can't remember the guy's last name, said, hey, take your medicine, boy. And Folliard said, it's the best medicine I ever took. Yeah. I mean, if I had murdered somebody, if I had been captured, tried, sent to prison, and was sentenced to death, I mean, I don't know what I would do, but would I murder my way out of prison? I, I, I don't know. I don't see that. Unless Billy looked at the killing of Brady as absolutely just and absolutely necessary and totally excused his part in it, then I could see him saying, well, you know what? I didn't really do anything wrong. There's no way I should suffer for this. And so these guys have to die because they're the only thing between me and freedom. But I think even then, if you look at that and go, Billy the Kid was willing to murder two guards in cold blood in a premeditated fashion, like to be so desperate to get away and to save his life. And then he rides a hundred miles to Fort Sumner and just stays there. That is not great decision-making. We've already talked about this, but that shows you the mind of a, of a not yet developed male. 
I'm willing to murder people to gain my freedom. And then I'm willing to piss my freedom away by hanging around the one place where everybody knows I'm going to go. It's silly. It's juvenile. It's childish. And so there are those aspects of Billy the Kid that I, I can't get past. I'm not a fan. But some of the other aspects I, I can get past and I quite admire. The ones I can get past are cattle, rustling, and horse thieving. I mean, I, I, there, there probably was not much any other way other than gambling that Billy was going to make a living. Unless he left the territory, which he absolutely should have done, should have followed the coast to Colorado, should have followed Doc to uh, Texas. Uh, I mean, should have gone. He should have gone anywhere but stayed in New Mexico. But I understand at that point that you know you probably can't get a job as Billy the Kid, you know, the indicted murderer of Sheriff Brady. You can't, you can't go back and work at Charlie and Doc's Cheese Factory. And so you're going to have to do what you do to stay alive. I don't know that there's any records of Billy stealing, you know, dozens or hundreds of head of cattle. I think it was pretty small time stuff where they would steal it, move it somewhere else, sell it, and then have some money to live on. So while I'm I'm not a fan of that, I understand it. The good parts of Billy the Kid are the parts that his friends talked about. The parts where he was loyal to the cause. Uh, maybe in some cases misguided loyalty, but absolutely loyal to the cause, loyal to his friends. Brave, clearly brave, not a coward. Um, although you might call you know, the, the murder of Brady cowardly. I mean, that was a plan that was developed most likely by somebody else, and, and Billy decided to take part in it. But they they faced Buckshot Roberts, you know, face up. He faced Joe Grant, face up. He, uh, however, he, you know, got the got the drop on J.W. Bell. Um, it seems like there was definitely a struggle. So it it wasn't something where he would just you know hide and snipe from the shadows. And uh, even Pat Garrett said that. Uh, you know, the kid was a pretty good fighter. You know, he, he would he'd fight men bigger than him and usually get the best of them. Um, he was, you know, he wasn't, he was not a coward by any means. So there are some good facets to him. The ladies seemed to like him. Even Paulita Maxwell seemed to like him, regardless of what she said. <laughs> you know, she, she spoke with some admiration. And I'm, I want to remember the exact quote you know, I didn't love Billy the Kid, but if I did, I would not have hesitated to ride with him to old Mexico or, you know, follow him to the ends of the earth or something. Well, if if there's somebody that I don't love, <laughs> like I like I just go, oh, yeah, they're, they're I know them, they're they're a nice person. I wouldn't say I don't love them, but if I did, I would go anywhere with them. That that seems like a an awfully uh, uh, deep emotion for somebody that you just said that you never loved. So the kid's got girlfriends that like him. He's got uh, a large number of the Hispanic population of eastern and southeastern New Mexico that are loyal to him. Um, and uh, and he's got the guys in his gang. And for and let, again, let's go back to what Drew Gomber told us in his interview that some evidence is pointing to the fact that Billy's now born somewhere around sixty three. 
So now we're talking 79, 80. We're looking at a 16, 17-year-old kid. And this guy is in the lead of a group of more experienced uh, outlaws, Bowdry and Rudabaugh and Billy Wilson. Um, yeah, yeah, Follier is younger or close to the same age, but maybe Follier's even older if Billy's that young. But they let this young man kind of run the show. And so there's got to be something, there's got to be a command presence. That's what they call it in the military. And you know it when you see it. Somebody walks into a room and without saying anything, they demand your attention. They have what's called command presence. And Billy clearly had that. He may not have had it when he was 15 years old at the beginning of the Lincoln County War, but by the time the war was over and in his exploits over the next couple of years, he did. I think it's a complicated legend to pick apart because we really know so little about William H. Bonney or Henry McCarty. There's no, uh, what were those things called? The the old moving picture deal where it was a bunch of frames and each frame would move a little bit. I'm trying to think what that was called. I can't remember. But there's no videos of him. I'm not sure if that technology existed then. I think it probably did though, where you could you know, take a bunch of these still frames and put them all together and create this motion or moving picture. But we don't have that. We don't have a recording of his voice, which I'd really like to hear, by the way, probably more than anything else. I would like to hear what he sounded like. Because I've written lots of dialogue for Billy the Kid in the films uh, that I've done and in my six Back to Billy books. And so I know what he sounds like in my head, but I don't know what he sounded like in real life. And I'd really like to know. But I don't know that time travel is a thing. And I don't know that I'll be selected if it ever is. So I don't think we're going to find that out. Yeah, I mean, there's just so little that we actually know about him. What did he like to eat? What, did he walk around with a sweater because he was cold all the time because he was skinny or was that like his fashion thing? You know, yes, he liked Turkey in the Straw, but he must like some other songs. Like all of those things will never, ever, ever be known. We'll only ever know the historical Billy the Kid from his letters, few interviews that he's done, <clears throat> depositions and recollections of friends but the that's not the real person those are just parts of the real person they're just building blocks and we're never going to get all the bricks that go in between to create a complete you know identity for somebody and that's probably the thing more than anything that drives me crazy is i'd i'd love to to do that i'd love to know that if you send me back for a day, let me take my iPhone, make sure it's fully charged and I can take some audio and video and then, you know, I'll flip back to our, our regular time here and then I can start to put it on the YouTube channel. <laughs> I bet you I'd get my thousand subscribers if I say, hey, I just got back from 1878. I got like a thousand pictures and 
three hours of video of Billy the Kid and the regulators and stuff. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be putting it on my YouTube channel. First, I would be sent to the insane asylum, and second, I would have a thousand or a million subscribers. So <laughs> maybe it's a fair trade. So the Billy that I that I know is somewhere in between those extremes. He's a young, impulsive kid without a lot of forethought or planning in most of his life, just kind of going from experience to experience and living the way that a lot of kids live before they're fully matured and developed. He's a murderer, which I can't look past or forgive, but he is also to a degree a freedom fighter, fighting for a cause he believes in and willing to kill or die for it. Billy stated, I'm not afraid to die like a man, but I don't want to be shot like a dog unarmed. So somewhere in between those two extremes is the guy that I think of, the guy that I see when I look at the picture, and the guy that I think I would get to know if I had the opportunity, if I was in that time. But then you got to ask yourself, when you look at all this critically and you kind of strip down your your preconceived bias, do you think you would actually like him? It's like a Hollywood celebrity. You go, oh gosh, I would love to go and have you know meet this person, have dinner with them, or you know become friends with them. And then you you get into it and you go, mm, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know they were like this. This person's insufferable. They're neurotic. They're needy. They're, you know, whatever. Well, maybe Billy the Kid was like that too. Like maybe we'd go back and go, this, this is Billy the Kid? You've got to be freaking kidding me. Dude, I'm out of here. Take me back to 2022. I just don't know. There's a chance. Well, no, there's a guarantee that people would feel that way because people would meet him and some would see him as a murdering punk. Some would see him as a... Uh, uh, a, a justice, uh, a warrior for justice. Other would see, see him somewhere in the middle. And some of those people in the middle would go, oh, I thought he'd be cooler to hang out with. I didn't think he'd be so whiny. God, he can't even sing on key. Like there definitely would be people like that. And then there would be people that loved him. But where would I be? Which, which, which group would I be in? Which group would you be in? I know you think, oh, I think it would be awesome to, you know, to get to know him and ride with the kid and those kind of those things. But some of you are going to go, are going to think that and get there and go, this, this kid's a pain in my ass. I'm out of here. I'm riding over to Roswell to get me, get me a chocolate heart or two from Ash Upson. <laughs> or I'm going to go have a butter beer in Beaver Smith saloon. So I don't know. But I do know that my Billy is a complicated and simple one. Complicated because he he pushed both boundaries, both of you know friendship, friendliness, and virtue, and in the kind of things that are attractive in a person. And then the lowest you know denominator that you could find, which is you know someone who would just wantonly take a life. Um, and so that is very complex that way, the, the, the human brain that can switch between those things. Um, but on the other side, a, a very simple lifestyle. 
I think going from one experience to the other without any long range or long term plans. Without a network or support system, just kind of living for the day. And to me, the greatest example of that is the murder of two deputies in Lincoln, New Mexico, to gain your freedom. And then you just go get, you just go sit and wait to get ambushed and shot. Not a good long range plan. So who's your Billy? Well, I'd like to know. Send me an email, billythekidridesagain at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at BTK Rides. Or find me on the... Uh, on uh, Michael Anthony Judicissi on uh, YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I want to talk about that picture from the last episode. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. And we'll talk about that after this. Welcome back to Back to Billy. <laughs> back to Billy. Oh, shoot. Freudian slip. All Things Billy, Back to Billy's my book series. <laughs> um, All Things Billy, I'm your host, Michael Anthony Giudicissi. And uh, hey, let's talk about that picture. If you haven't seen it, this is not a new discovery, by the way, but if you haven't seen it, you can go on over to the YouTube channel and look at the episode posted February 23rd, which is just yesterday, Five Huge Billy the Kid Discoveries with James Townsend, musician, playwright, uh, researcher, author. I mean, what doesn't he do? <laughs> uh, but anyway, James brought this picture to my attention. Uh, we both have talked to the owner of the picture, um, who does not want to be publicly identified, but the picture itself is pretty crazy. And if you haven't seen it, you can, you can go to, uh, that YouTube episode, and it's you know just sitting on there for 15 minutes as you're listening to us talk about some of these discoveries. James also did a uh, a side by side. So again, that's not a forensic, uh, what do you want to call it, analysis of the picture. I mean, it really is just here. I'm going to go to the side by side one now. Whoops. Yeah, it really is, you know, hey, split screen, let me match these up size as best I can. But man, when you look at that, you look at the known picture of Billy, and then you look at this picture of Billy that really doesn't have any provenance. Uh, and and based on what I've heard, probably never will, but, but came out of Lincoln County. Um, it's pretty incredible. The When I look at it, the things that strike me right away are the eyes, the light color of the eyes. Uh, people have said the shape of the ear is wrong, which certainly could be, or that were the, the inset of the ear. It almost looks in this, in this newly found photo, I guess, that Billy was wrestling and got cauliflower ear like the MMA's, MMA guys get. But the eyes and the shape of the eyebrow almost looks like a mirror image of the known photo, the shape of the nose and the nostrils looks like a mirror image, the shape of the mouth and, you know, kind of all the other features looks like a mirror image, the shaggy hair behind the ears, although it's shorter in the newer photo, um, you know, same kind of thing. And I'm, I've been one of those guys that goes, Hey, you can't take every scrunched up face guy and show a picture and go, Hey, I'm pretty sure this is Billy the kid. But if you look at this one, 
you can come to two conclusions. It's either Billy the Kid or it's somebody that looks a lot, lot like the picture that was apparently taken in front of Beaver Beaver Smith's saloon. This is not one that you look at and go, oh, doesn't look anything like him. It looks exactly like him to me. Now, I look at the newer picture, the, the newer Discovery one, and looks younger. Yeah. Looks like it, you know, this could be somebody a year younger, six months. And, you know, people change uh, pretty quickly in their teens and late teens. But it looks, he looks a little smoother of face. Um, but other than that, probably, in my mind, the same person. And what I've always said about these pictures is if you want any of them to be Billy the Kid, then they are. That's it. That's all it requires. Okay. Now, if you want to sell it for millions of dollars, you need more than that. But most of these are not going to sell for any dollars. So if you want them to be Billy the Kid, if you look at it and go, that's him, I'm convinced, I don't need anybody to tell me, then it's Billy the Kid. Enjoy it. Put it up on your screensaver. Print a copy out. Put it on your wall. That's him. You found him. Congratulations. If you need more proof, most of these photos, you're not going to find it. Nobody was taking pictures of William H. Bonney and going, this guy's going to be a legend. So I'm going to take him. I'm going to put him in this special box. I'm going to scribble a little inscription on the back, and then I'm going to hide it for 100 plus years. That wasn't happening. Billy was, you know, kind of an ordinary cowhand, got caught up in some extraordinary circumstances, which catapulted him to fame. But I don't think anybody looked and said, oh, this kid, this kid's going to be known, baby. 140 years from now, some old man from Albuquerque is going to be doing a stupid podcast and talking about him. So we better have a photo of him. Yeah, that wasn't happening. And so the, you know, the provenance, the, the custody chain, the, um, the, the evidence and documentation that would prove to you it was Billy the Kid is doesn't exist. And if it does, it hasn't been found. I'm sure with a handful of these photos that could be, that, you know, and that have a very good chance of being Billy, I'm sure there's some other little piece of evidence somewhere that we haven't found yet. And people are hopefully working on it. But there's a good chance it'll never be found. And every day people buy a house, they move out of their old house, they throw some stuff away. They had grandma's, you know, box of, you know, old love letters in the attic. I mean, that stuff could be out there right now and it could be in a garbage dump tomorrow. The people that have it probably don't even know what they have if there is anything left to find. Uh, And so since they don't know what they have, there's no reason to protect it, to preserve it. So it's going to be tough for the owner of this photo and really any other photos to be able to conclusively or almost conclusively prove that they've got a photo of William H. Bonney. Now, some of them I look at and go, come on. (laughs) I mean, you got to be kidding me. There's some group photos, you know, there's three, four, five people in it. And I've, I've constantly got to ask, which one is supposed to be Billy the Kid? Like, there's three young men there. They, I guess any of them could be if you twist their face up enough or bend their chin in the opposite direction or, I don't know, <laughs> whatever you got to do. Um, 
I don't even know which one you think is Billy the Kid. And then people get all upset and irate and go, well, if you don't believe in my photo and you don't know what the F you're doing. No, no, I'm being honest. I don't, I don't know who's supposed to be Billy in these group photos. <laughs> I really don't. And if it's not that apparent, then that should tell you something. If you got three people in one photo, all of any of which that, you know, could bear some passing resemblance to Billy the Kid, then there's a lot of scrunched up face guys in the old West that were, you know, young men, teenagers or in their early twenties. And so the the chance that you pull that picture out and go, hey, well, here, this one's Billy. No, probably one of those multitude of scrunched up faced young men. But this photo really does, really does make you look twice. Um, I'm looking at it on screen now. And of course, the resolution on these photos is not spectacular. There were no iPhone 13 Pro Max, whatever the hell we're up to right now. Um, where, of course, you'd be able to you know, <laughs> almost capture it in 3D. It just didn't exist. So we're left with a lot of, you know, maybe, hopefully. But if you haven't looked at this photo, I think you should. Because I think that there's a good chance. It's definitely not a guarantee. But I think there's a good chance that the young man in this photo, with the light-colored eyes, and the eyebrows that, you know, tail down once they pass the corners of his eyes and the small, you know, kind of straight nose and small nostrils and protruding ears and sloping shoulders and unkempt hair. I think that there's a good chance that's William H. Bonney. And by the way, if it is, I, I think he's got a better shot with the ladies. Because you look at that other photo and you go, that's the guy that Paulita Maxwell, DeLuvina, uh, Abrana Garcia, Celsi Gutierrez, like all these girls were in love with this, had Sally Chisholm with him, twisted face, buck teeth. But you look at this photo and he's, you know, he's a good looking kid. They caught him on a better day. So go take a look at it on the YouTube channel and uh, let me know what you think. Is that William H. Bonney? And if it's not, do you know who it is? By the way, don't ever approach your photo authentication by saying, if this isn't Billy the Kid, then somebody has to prove to me who it is. That's <laughs> that's actually not a, there's no burden of proof for that. It it If you can't prove it's somebody else, then it has to be Billy the Kid. Uh, no, I don't think that's the way it works. That's certainly not the way it works in a court of law. And I've, I've seen some picture authenticators take that, uh, that approach. It's kind of laughable. But check it out. See what you think. Let me know. BillyTheKidRidesAgain at gmail.com. At BTK Rides on Twitter. Should we go over to Twitter and see? Now, obviously, we're not recording this live, so nobody's hearing it and going, Oh, Michael, I got to get my, <laughs> I've got to get my, uh, my comment in. Um, before we go, a couple things uh, for those following along with the final trial of Billy the Kid film. Uh, I can let you know I've uh, been in touch with, working with the editor, the second cut of the film. So first cut is a rough cut. We kind of put the piece like, an, like a, a recipe. You gather all the pieces together and you uh, you put them all in kind of in order. Uh, 
the next thing is when you combine all the ingredients, right? Well, that's where we're at. All the ingredients are combined, polished up, put in some of the uh, insert takes and reaction shots and those kind of things. So the second cut of the film is done. Now it's on to color and sound, color correction, sound. Then it'll come to me for Foley, which is, uh, you know, some of the insert sounds. You know, feet clink, 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 walking across the courtroom floor. If if it didn't come in clearly, you know, uh, there are papers ruffling, rustling, those kind of things, and scoring, music, and then we'll have uh, essentially a finished film. At that point, there'll be a trailer, and that's probably going to be sometime in April. I think that's fair. April, maybe early May, that we'll have a trailer. And uh, that trailer will be, you know, available on the YouTube channel and social media. And then, uh, you know, it'll be the final polishing up, locking everything down, then going out to distribution, you know, deciding on a distribution strategy where the film's going to show, those kind of things. But the absolute plan is still July 14, (laughs) I was going to say 1881, (laughs) 2022 will be the release date of the final trial, Billy the Kid, and we'll put the evidence on trial. And Brushy will be there, Miller. Pat Garrett, their attorneys, the 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 judge, the bailiff, the jury, and you're going to get to sit inside the courtroom and see what happens. There's a verdict. There's a real verdict in there. I don't know what it says. Maybe I do, but I'm not telling. So we'll see. And then, of course, the uh, the other thing is the Back to Billy book series. I greatly would appreciate for those of you that have ordered. I know some of you have listened to the podcast and gone and ordered. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I, you know, I'm I'm telling you, this is a labor of love. Like I have a real job. I work as a consultant in the healthcare industry. Uh, I have been doing it for 16 years. Um, And so the writing the books while it's nice to sell a book and make a few bucks uh, I'll never make a living as an author or as a podcaster probably and the reward for me is when people get the book in their hands and start reading and go oh this is cool what a great story how would i react what if i traveled back in time and and found out that billy and the regulators already knew who i was what if I was married and traveled back and the most beautiful woman in Lincoln was in love with me and carrying my baby, right? In other words, the, the, just the story and then to be able to tie that into the historical happenings of the time, sometimes in a humorous way, sometimes in a really deadly way. I just love seeing the light come on people because they get to the end of that first book and they go, oh man, I, I, I got I to gotta find out more. And the more allowed me to develop more characters like Brandon, the tour guide and Steve from Capitan and the Clarks, uh, uh, the, uh, the deputy sheriff's Clarks, Gerald from Fort Sumner, uh, all based on real people and, uh, and take you on this really twisted ride through almost unbelievable circumstances for a very, very middle of the road, mediocre guy who got the, who got the thing that we all want. He got to go back and meet Billy the Kid and befriend him. And so you can find book number six. You can start on book number six. I don't think you can start on (laughs) two, three, four, or five. But six was written, so if you had not read the rest of the series, you can still get an idea where you are. That one uh, is available everywhere books are sold. I do a Google search and 
it's on Amazon and Apple Books and Walmart and uh, uh, Barnes and Noble and Booktopia and I mean it, essentially anywhere you buy books. If you search for Four Empty Graves, look for Martin Teebs as the author. T e e b s. You'll find it. The first five are available on my website, mankindpro.com. You can order them there. Um, and uh, if you want all six of them, just get in touch with me at billythekidridesagain at gmail.com. Uh, I don't remember how many pages it was. 1,600? Was that maybe right? 1,650 pages or something like that. So if you're looking for something to get you through the rest of this freaking winter, if you're up here in the Northern Hemisphere, I got 1,650 pages that you can sit by the fireplace and sip a hot cocoa or something stronger and read and uh, take a, off on the twisted tale of Martin Teebs. So that's it for me today. Who's your Billy? I would like to know. By the way, where's your Billy tattoos? For the big contest, winner gets a free autographed copy of Four Empty Graves. Email them in, send them through Twitter. Best Billy the Kid tattoo related uh, wins the prize. Hey, thanks very much. I'll talk to you again. Until then, I'm out.